From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. Also by the Unconquered Shop, if you haven't bought your Norvell stickers, your Rise stickers, your Climb stickers, just to give to somebody. I mean, these are nice little cheap stocking stuffers, sort of thing that you can uh, add in to uh, support the podcast and uh a very good designer, graduate of Florida State. Uh, actually, two, and that designer has two degrees from Florida State. Quality stuff uh, from from him, and uh, we'll be we'll be adding some more there uh, before too long. I'm going to be doing the Syracuse preview here, and this one's going to be pretty short, to be honest. I mean, I've watched Syracuse a decent amount this year, and uh, had an opportunity to to take a look at what they do. This is a good team, and and it's a better team than I thought they'd be this year. Um, this is. I feel actually pretty good about how good of a handle I had on the ACC in general coming into the year. I mean, I think I, I think I, uh, by and large, got most things right in the preseason. But boy, did I miss Syracuse! <laughs> I had Syracuse as uh, as probably the worst team in the uh, in the Atlantic, and they have not been that. And one of the main reasons why is because the coaching shift that they've had, the coaching change on, on offense has really changed them. And, and they were very, very difficult to, to defend early in the year. Uh, they've gotten banged up since, and that's impacted some things, but Garrett Schrader looks way more comfortable than he has at any other point in his career. And, you know, you look at his, his pro football focus numbers. I mean, he's his grade on the season from pro football focus is an 88.8. Looking at his numbers, I mean, 67% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, five picks. Also, uh, you know, pretty good rushing numbers. As everybody knew, he was a, he he's a guy that can actually run the football. Everybody knew that coming in into the season, but he has developed and has been efficient as a passer. Look at his rushing numbers on the year, 464 yards rushing on 5.3 yards per attempt. I mean, he's been really solid. And again, not... Not what he had been in prior years. I mean, you look at last year, uh, looking at the numbers last year, 73.9 and in, in terms of his uh, pro football focus numbers and 52.3% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, four picks. That's that's a huge, huge difference. I mean, 52.3% completion percentage jumping to 67 in a year. And really I give the credit to the the coaching staff that they brought in, which they, they basically took over the coaching staff that was at Virginia last year. And all you have to do is look at what's happened to Virginia offensively. They're now the worst offense in the, in the ACC last year, they were putting up huge numbers and you know, their quarterback uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment, Brennan Armstrong, Brennan Armstrong. That's who it is. Um, Brennan Armstrong last year, put up filthy numbers. So you look at last year, 2021, Brennan Armstrong was 65.2% completion percentage with 31 touchdowns, 10 picks. Passer rating of 156.40. They put up great numbers last year in their offense. This year, the quarterback, the same quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, same guy at Virginia, 54.9 completion percentage, six touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, that's almost the inverse of what you see from Garrett Schrader. 
Again, this year, 67.2%. Last year, 52.6%. Those guys have basically switched roles on the season. And the thing that has really changed between them is the difference in coaching staff. Virginia's coaching staff is now coaching offense. The last year's Virginia co- coaching staff is now coaching offense at, at Syracuse. So if anybody ever tells you that coaching doesn't matter at this level, that all that matters is talent acquisition, well, I submit to you exhibit A. This coaching staff on the on the on the Syracuse side, they're they're pretty good, pretty good coaches. And I think their secondary coach is also one of the best in the ACC. Young guy, too, good recruiter. Just leave that out there. Anyway, um, they, they, uh, they, they're a well-coached football team at this point, but they are pretty deep into their depth. And you could see, you can see basically the way that this year has gone since Clemson. They've they've really not been the same team. I mean, you look at the early year; they they blew out Louisville in the, in the opener, thirty-one to seven. Then they win at Connecticut. They beat Purdue. It's a decent Purdue team. They squeak out one over Virginia. That's a bad Virginia team. Dominate Wagner. And then they go into NC State and they beat or NC State comes there and they beat NC State. Of course, that's NC State without Leary and before MJ Morris started playing. So it's a different NC State team than anybody else has played. But they beat NC State 24 to 9. And then a little more banged up going into Clemson. And they lose a close one there. They gave Clemson all they could handle at Clemson, 21-27. But then they're really banged up coming out of Clemson, and they get blown out by Notre Dame, 41-24, and then last week, 19-9 loss at Pittsburgh. And again, that's without Garrett Schrader on the field. And without Schrader, they're not the same offense. They're not the same team. You can see that nine points is... (laughs) That's the difference. So, yeah, this... and, And they also... They've they've been banged up at the running back position where, again, they have one of the best running backs in the country in Sean Tucker as well. So last few games, he's been banged up. Garrett Schrader's now got a, a bum ankle and looks like he's likely to play in this game. But if his ankle is as bad as, as it seems to be, then that's going to take away one of the things that makes him so difficult to defend. And that's his legs and the way that they use him as a as a runner. They use the threat of, of him running to uh to really make their their offense harder to handle but just as a passer he makes them very different i mean the the backup there uh last week it was carlos del rio wilson you know he's a freshman and on the season his his completion percentage is 44 so you know there's only so much you can do so if anybody if anybody out there wants to tell you that coaching is all that matters and that talent acquisition doesn't matter at all well, I give you exhibit B. So Syracuse is an interesting team in that respect. Uh, they, for what it's worth, they run basically the same kind of scheme, a 3-3 stack that NC State runs. Very aggressive. They're going to try to get after you in terms of bringing pressure from different angles and all of that. They use a lot of disguise. And they're going to be aggressive in the secondary. So... They do that, and then they've got, essentially, they're running Virginia's offense from last year, which is versatile. They're going to put pieces all over the place. They're going to throw to the running backs. They're going to make safe throws for the quarterback and just keep him in rhythm all game and then give him some opportunities to uh, to take shots when defenses 
ultimately start to lock down on some of that other stuff. But they're good at what they do. And with with Schrader on the field, that's a pretty good offense. So, yeah. Looking at the matchups here, I think a lot of this, we're going to look on the offense, the Syracuse offense versus the Florida State defense first. This side of the ball brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. So you look at offensively what they're what they're able to do and where they're stronger. Main thing is that they they run the football first. They they are a run first offense, but they've got a possession passing offense as well. So it's it's basically the running game and then possession passing off of that, along with a decent amount of RPO stuff that they'll run. So one thing that they don't do a lot of is they don't have a bunch of big plays. They're 50th in the country in 20-plus yard plays against Power 5 competition, and they're 63rd in the country in 30-plus yard plays just behind Miami of Florida, the team that Florida State just blew out last week. So if you talk about a team that has not had a ton of big plays, I mean, they're looking at, you're looking at, they've played six games against Power 5 competition, and they've got seven plays over 30 yards in those six games. So this is not a big play team, even though, when Tucker, when Sean Tucker is healthy, he's one of the fastest running backs in the country, and he is a threat to take at the distance if he gets into the open field. But all in all, what this what this shows you is that they don't have a whole lot of, of deep threats. They don't have a whole lot of speed on the outside. They've been able to make their hay by being efficient as an offense. And that means they stay on schedule, they complete passes, and they keep the chains moving. That's what they do. Now, that bodes well, I think, for what Florida State's bringing in here. Now that Florida State's healthy and has Fabian Lovett, I mean, these two teams have kind of gone the opposite direction over the past month. If they'd played a month ago, I think Syracuse probably beats them. But I think now, with Syracuse a little bit more banged up and Florida State now with Lovett on the field, they're a completely different team. And I'm not sure, I I don't know if they'd probably beat Florida State, but that's going to be a much closer game than what I think this one might be. I think with Lovett on the field, that that challenges that offensive line. And, and Syracuse has got – they're a little banged up up there. That challenges them and makes it much more difficult for them to just stay on schedule the full game. You've got Verse and Lovett closer to healthy, and suddenly Florida State is imposing on the defensive line once again. I think that's that's the key to this game. Can you keep Pittsburgh from being able to run the football well? Again. On the year, if Schrader is healthy, it, he makes it much harder to stop the run game, the, the running game. If he's not healthy, I think that that affects things. If you look at their rushing output on the season, so if you go game by game, this is this is interesting. They, so they average four point three one yards per per rush on the season, but you got to account for Wagner being nine point nine five yards per rush there. So. Only 1.97 yards per rush against uh, Virginia. 5.2 in that opener against Louisville. Since teams have adjusted, 5.97 yards per per rush against NC State's defense. That's pretty good. 4.43 yards per rush against Clemson. That's that's pretty good against those two teams. And then 2.44 yards per rush against Notre Dame. And then 1.0 yards per rush against Pittsburgh. And again, without Schrader... They're completely different offense. So Notre Dame and Pitt, once Schrader went out against Notre Dame, it was they were toast. And then they didn't have him at all against Pittsburgh, toast. When he's in there and when they're when, when uh Tucker is healthier at that running back spot, 
then you can expect that they're going to run the football. They're going to run it a pretty decent number of times, and they're going to be pretty efficient at it unless you basically push the bodies forward. Now, once again, the fact that they don't have a bunch of big plays is important from Florida State's perspective. I think that's that's going to allow Florida State to say, you know what? We're going to focus on that aspect of things. We're going to try to get you behind the sticks a little bit more. This is a game I would I would be surprised if FSU doesn't play it a little bit more aggressively on defense. A little bit more like what Pitt does. Turn that defense or that defensive line loose and tell those safeties to to come downhill and play the run a little bit. It's it's the way this works. So so yeah. Um on the other side, on the offensive, on the passing side, again, as Schrader's health goes, so goes their passing game. They've been pretty good. You look at Schrader, 25, or 16 to 25 for 8.4 yards per attempt and two, two scores and two interceptions against NC State. Not bad. 18 to 26, 69% completion percentage, six and a half yards per attempt. For one touchdown, one interception against Clemson. You're going to get pretty good efficiency from him in general. And then, of course, their their passing game just fell off a cliff against Notre Dame once, once Schrader went out. And, you know, that, that changed everything. And, of course, that Notre Dame defense is really good. I, I think that Notre Dame defense is at least as good as Clemson's. So, so yeah, that's, that's a quality team. But they still scored 24 points in that game because Schrader played part of it. And they were, they were in position to compete in that game until he went out. So... I mean, I'm going to say it one more time. A lot in this game is going to hinge on how healthy Schrader is because if they don't have him, I don't think they've got a shot in this game. And if they don't have him in reasonable health, it's going to be tough for them. So as I understand it, his ankle is is significant enough that it's going to limit him as a runner, but he expects to play. I, I, think, I think I'm expecting to see him play. So that means that they're going to be better throwing the football, but some of the things that you worry about with him on the field as, as a runner and all of that are not as much of a concern. And, you know, who knows how effect, effective he's going to be moving around on that ankle. So in terms of what they, what they bring to the table receiving-wise, their leading receiver actually is Aronde Gadsden, uh, the, the second. So the original, you know, the Miami Dolphin, Aronde Gadsden, his, his son. And so you watch them, and they, they use him sort of as a, uh, as a flexed tight end I mean, he's 6'5", 216, so not, not a big guy, not a, not a guy that's really a threat as a blocker, but they use him to get mismatches, and he has a real feel for route running. He's a good receiver. I mean, he'd be playing at Florida State right now. Uh, I think he'd, get, he'd be in the rotation, but he also does not run especially well. My guess is he's like mid 4'7 area, somewhere in there. I mean, he, he runs more like a big tight end than he does a big wide receiver. But again, it's a matter of he understands zones. He understands how to set up defenders. He understands a lot of those things. And he's open a lot. And on the year, he's got 41 catches and six touchdowns. And the next next highest receiver is Sean Tucker with 34 catches. And the next highest receiver or tight end or anybody else who's not one of those two guys is 19 catches. So Gadsden has basically twice as many receptions as the next wide receiver on that roster. So if you're looking at this, if you're Florida state, you better focus on handling Gadsden and getting that matchup taken care of, because if you take him away, 
then you're cutting into the comfort level that Schrader has. I mean, he's, he's the security blanket. Even though he's young, he's the security blanket for Schrader. And so much of what they do offensively is it hinges on keeping the chains moving and basically taking what's, what's open when it's open, you know, taking, taking the stuff that the defense is giving them that that's very much their, their approach. I should mention, by the way, that uh, one, one receiver on here who didn't play much early in the year, but has played reasonable amount in the last two games is Demarcus Adams. Some of y'all will remember that name. He was at Florida state uh, a while back and uh, now with Syracuse and against Notre Dame, he had two catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. He had one catch against Pittsburgh for one for, for 45 yards. So he's, you know, he's a guy that can run. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of those guys. It'll be interesting to see him, whether there's a little additional motivation playing against his old team, but uh, that's something to to keep your eye on. But I think for Florida state, you you kind of force you kind of force Syracuse in this game to prove that they can beat you over the top and that they can that they can beat you for some big plays. You know, you you put some pressure on them and you try to you try to force them to make those plays downfield over the top of you a little bit and get them out of their comfort zone on those things. I think this is a game to be a little more aggressive in that respect. You play a little tighter, force them to beat you in that way. Now if they, you know, get two or three big plays early, then maybe you recalibrate but I think you prove you make them prove it early. I think that's what you have to do here. Let your and you let your defensive line eat. And I think against that that group of of offensive linemen, again reasonably banged up at this point, I think that's what you're what you're going to do. Overall, you look at their their numbers on the season and total offense, you know, by game by game, they put up 5.39 yards per play against Clemson, 4.69 against Notre Dame. Again, half of that against Notre Dame was without Schrader. Put up 7.07 yards per play, which is pretty comparable to what Florida State did against NC State. So it's a good offense. It's one of the best offenses. When when Schrader and Tucker are both you know healthy, when they're not quite as banged up, this offense has been productive on the season. I mean, against some common opponents, they've been pretty comparable to Florida State's output. That said, I don't think they're that healthy. And even if they, even if Tucker, and I do expect Tucker and Schrader to play in this game, you know, I, I don't think that they're, that they're quite at full strength. And I think that's going to be an impact. And I think Florida State is getting more at full strength here. So I'm going to go with somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, in terms of total output, I'd say somewhere around five and a half yards per play from this offense. So not quite the output that they had against Notre Dame, you know, 4.69 yards against Notre Dame, but somewhere, uh, let's say 5.2 yards per play, a little better than they did at Clemson, but not as, not as, not shut up, not shutting them down as much as Notre Dame did in the per play basis. Uh, each of those games, they scored 21 against Clemson, 24 against Notre Dame. I think that's around the the area that you might expect against Florida State. But I think, uh, again, without Schrader being as healthy, without Tucker being as healthy, coming off of what we just saw against Pittsburgh, uh, maybe you expect them a little bit on the lower side of that. So I'm going to go with Syracuse scoring about 20 points in this game. That's kind of what I expect in, in that range on about you know 5.2 yards per carry or, or per play. And I think if Florida State holds them, Below 5.5 yards per play, that's a successful night at the office. 
for, for Florida State there. So all told, that side of the ball, I think 28 is probably your magic number. Maybe 31 is your magic number. If you score that, you feel pretty good about yourself. You feel like your odds of winning this game are pretty likely. So let's go ahead and flip to the other side of the ball and, and, and talk about whether or not Florida State can hit that magic number. So this side of the ball brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. If you need any real estate or if you uh, are looking to sell a place, let Shen know. Let her know you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. Uh, this is this is where I think FSU has the bigger advantage, and it's against the Syracuse defense because Syracuse has been touched up running the football a little bit in recent weeks because they've they, again. The problem that they've had is is that they've been a little bit banged up as the season has gone on, and they've just not been super deep. But you look at what they did early in the year, you know, Louisville 4.42 yards per carry. Uh, you look at Purdue 2.9 yards per carry. Virginia 5.14 yards per carry. That's a bad Virginia offense, so that's not great. Clemson almost 5 yards a carry. Notre Dame 4.4 yards a carry. That's not bad. And then Pitt, they held them to 3.35 yards a carry in a really ugly game. So all in all, they're giving up on the year below four yards a carry as a defense. It's pretty good, but it's been getting, it's been ticking up a little bit in recent weeks as they've gotten a little bit more uh, banged up. And again, this is the refrain. It's a good thing that you're playing this Syracuse team a little bit later in the year. Uh, I think this is a game that sets up well for Florida State to do a lot of the same things that they did against NC State. You'll see a lot of nub sets where you've got trips to one side and a, and a tight end or H back to the other side. Uh, you'll see, you know, a lot of three by one type sets to try to make that three, three stack defense balance out or unbalance so that they, they show where the pressure is going to come from, who's going to be in what gaps and all of that. They're going to, they're going to force them using formation to get a little bit more uh, standard on some of those things. And I think this is a game where FSU can run the football on them. Uh, Clemson, not a great rushing team, but 4.88 yards per, per carry on 60 carries in that game. And I think that's what Florida State's going to have to do in this game uh, to have optimal success. This is a game where you run the football and you pound them. I think FSU th- runs the football, you know, 45 type times in this, somewhere in there. Uh, and I think, I think they'll be able to average five plus yards a carry against this defense based on what they did against NC State, based on... Again, you doing some of the things that that Norvell likes to do against this kind of they, they do they do some tight front stuff. They do you know it's all odd front for the most part stuff. He he seems to really relish playing against that kind of front, and they've had some success against it. I think we're going to see something like that. I, I think somewhere in excess of five five and a half yards a carry, and they're they're going to run they're going to run the football a bunch. I mean, two hundred fifty plus yards rushing in this game, I think is is on the table now. On the flip side, this is a team that they're really well coached on the back end. I mean, and again, their secondary coach, their DB's coach, young guy, good recruiter, excellent coach. They've been they've they've really handled things well on the back end. Uh, but they their their top DB is most likely out in this game, and of course, they also have played Pitt. They they played Clemson when DJ was having trouble hitting the broadside of a barn. They they played NC State where they you know didn't have Leary and this is before they started playing Morris. So they, they haven't exactly gone against a murderer's row of pass offenses, but I, I do think that this pass defense is in the same neighborhood 
as that NC State defense that they played. So this is a team that you can't just count on lining up and throwing the football all over the yard. I think this is a, this is a game where you, you use your RPO game, you take your shots judiciously, but you're cautious here because they will turn you over. You look at on the year, their, their turnover, turnover margin is pretty good. And, you know, they're, they're at a, they're at a, uh, a plus seven turnover margin on the year. And they've forced a decent number of turnovers. I mean, you look at the INTs, they've got, they've got 10 INTs on the year, two against Pitt, one against Notre Dame, two against Clemson, one against Virginia, one against Purdue, two against, uh, against Louisville. And then, you know, you can kind of wipe off that one against uh, Wagner. It's not, you know, really relevant, but you know they've they've actually put some pressure on teams and they've capitalized on on some turnovers. I mean, again, ten interceptions. I mean, that's four more than Florida State's got. So they will turn you over overall uh, on the year, and you've got to be careful in terms of how you're going to play this. So this is a game where you protect the ball. I think you've got to be able to run it well against that defense. I think again with that front being a little banged up, you're going to try to do that. And and again, I think this is one of those games where it's, you know, run, 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 shot play, play action, you know, take your take your shots down the field, get some get some big plays where they're where they're able once you get ahead of the sticks. Take some take some of those matchup advantages. But it's not going to be real easy to do in the passing game. I think this is a game you win on the uh, primarily on the ground. I think, you know, looking at defensively what uh what Syracuse has been able to do overall. You know, Clemson averaged 5.2 yards per play against him. NC State, well, we can waive that one because of the, the quarterback situation there. Purdue, 6.3 yards per play. Louisville, 6.19 yards per play. Notre Dame and Pitt, neither of those, them have decent offenses. So Florida State's far and away the best offense that they've played. Uh, I'd say Purdue and, and Louisville have the two best offenses that they've played. They gave up over six yards a, a play on each of those in each of those games. And, you know, on the ground in each of those games, they gave up, let's see, uh, 4.42 uh, per carry against Louisville and then 2.9 per carry against uh, or Purdue, who did more of their damage through the air in that game. But again, they, they beat Purdue. I think, again, those two games being early in the year helped their defense. So they're going to have a hard time limiting what's become, again, a healthier Florida State offense Uh like they did those team those teams early in the year, especially without their top DB. So, you know, I think in excess of six yards of play is to be expected here. I think somewhere around six and a half yards of play is to be expected. I think a lot of that's going to be on the ground. Most likely they'll get a few big plays through the year. I think somewhere in the, you know, 38 point range is about what I'd expect in this game from Florida state. If they convert in the, in the red zone, if they, if they revert to some of the stuff that they did before the Miami game in the, in the red zone, then we're looking at, you know, somewhere in the range of, you know, 30, 31 points because they'll end up coming away with nothing or, you know, with, with too many field goals or that sort of thing in the, uh, in the red zone tight zone. So I'm going to go with Florida state winning this game, uh, wrapping this up. I think Florida state's going to win this game, but I don't think that this is going to be is likely to be a huge runaway. I think Syracuse will be a game. You know, they're going to be a game opponent here. So I'm going to go with Florida State winning this game 31 to 20. And uh, I'll say about a 75 percent chance of, of, of winning in this game. I, I like that the odds. I think Florida State is most likely to win this game. 
especially given given Schrader. And if Schrader doesn't play much, I mean, if he is ineffective, then this turns into a blowout. At that point, you know, you're looking at something like you know forty one to you know forty one to thirteen or forty one to to nine or something like that. If if Schrader is not healthy enough to to be a weapon, but I'm I'm based on what I expect. I think he's going to be limited in terms of as a runner, but he's still going to be able to throw the football. That'll give them the ability to at least do some things. So I'm going to say 31 to actually make it 31 to 16 uh, in this game. I'll say 31 to 16 Florida state and about a 75% chance of winning. We'll go ahead and wrap there as always. Thanks to all of you who, uh, who listen, if you've been enjoying the show, leave some feedback, tell a friend, and uh, you can always support over on Patreon as you're able. Uh, really appreciate those of you who do. As always, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.